0: Welcome to the Built On Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, On2Air Backups. On2air Backups provides automated Airtable Backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable Backup system with OntoAir Backups at OntoAir.com. As one customer, Sarah said, Having automated Airtable Backups has freed up hours of my time every other week. And the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OntoAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OntoAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now, let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air.
1: Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are in episode seven of season 17. Good to be with you. Myself, Dan Fellers, and special guest, Leslie Burke. Welcome, Leslie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to have you with us. We've got, I, seem, I think, um, some bug going around. Both Camille and Ali are out today. And um, so it's going to be just the two of us, unless unless somebody joins uh, midstream. We'll see. So, Excited to have you on. We'll get to know Leslie and her story a little bit later in the show, but first I'll walk us through what we're gonna be doing today. As always, um, we do four segments to keep you up to date in Airtable. We always start with our round the Bases and talk about any new updates or things going on in the world of Airtable. Then a quick shout out to our sponsor, Onto Air. Then we'll learn about Leslie and her background and how she came into this world of Airtable. And then she will then show us uh, a base and application that she built called Guestbook. And then join our community, how to get involved with with us and what we're doing. And then finally, we'll talk about the new um, date dependency field functionality that that Airtable just rolled out. So exciting to to talk about that. Okay, with Round the Bases, um, a few things that are new in the world of Airtable. They had a couple announcements and like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about it, but there's a few other things that they announced. They now have Gantt in interfaces. So they had previously the Gantt as a view at the data layer, um, but now you can import uh, Gantt inside of your interfaces. And so you can see um, there's now a layout option. So you can switch between a list view and a Gantt view on there, so that is nice. If you rely on Gantt, um, really a lot of what they're what they launched this this uh, week are really big on project management. I think they're like going directly after Monday.com and other project management tools to make sure that that you can switch over and and have that functionality. Um, the second one is date dependency configuration. This is one we're gonna showcase how, how you actually do this um, and how that works. And so that is new. And that that's obviously with Gantt being dates, um, that, that's involved heavily with with the Gantt views as well. Yeah, but I have at the data layer.
2: I have a marketing client who has loved, wanted to do Gantt view. We've used it in the past, but it just hasn't been useful because there hasn't been the date dependency piece. So we're really, really excited for that.
1: Cool. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, let's see. We'll, we'll talk about this um, later in the show. We'll review those. Okay. Um, see who's free when assigning tasks. So when assigning tasks, you can preview team utilization before and after assigning the task. So that's kind of cool. Um, this utilization feature um i think that's on a collaborator field we'll share that Uh i have not played with that one so I, i'm curious I'll, I'll dig into that this week
2: yeah me either i haven't had a chance to try that yet i
1: haven't seen that one yeah 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 I'm not quite sure i don't think this is a new field type i think it's i think it's a a percentage type maybe um Okay, coming soon. This is something we've we've teased in the past, dynamic filtering. These views allow you to compare utilization when choosing team members, but imagine you also want to filter the selection to people who have the required skills, role, or team for a task. We'll be releasing a feature which allows you to filter record selection dynamically, which means the filter can depend on a property of the task you are trying to assign someone to. It will not only help with resource allocation, but numerous other use cases such as filtering offices to a given location or products to a given vendor. So that is exciting.
2: Yeah, that's really exciting. A lot of people have been waiting a long time for that.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. And they've been teasing it um, in in the community for a little bit. But uh, but hopefully that really means coming soon. I wonder if they were hoping to get it live, but it wasn't quite ready. Um, yeah.
2: And it'll probably sneak out and we won't know it and, or we'll see, and maybe someone will have it, but some people yep. won't for a while, who knows? Yep,
1: yep. Somebody will spot it in the built-on-air yep. community. They're good at uh, spotting those new features. Yep. All right, and then the last one, a couple of templates, which actually I'll be I'll be showing one of, one of the templates um, in my segment. So really good way to just get started with um, how to use some of this new functionality. They've got template interfaces with interfaces that that you can use to to get started there so um so yeah those excuse me those are uh new features if you go to the what's new it talks about those um let's see if we talk about let's see informed task assignment is this the same thing um summary utilization feature we've made it easier so that's the that's the utilization Um, feature. And then this was one they didn't talk about. They actually refreshed the icons. I don't know if you noticed new icons. Uh -uh. Yeah, so there's there's new icons. um, Before and after actually I don't I don't know if I even noticed. They're not too different. They're not drastically different. But uh, maybe a little bit smaller, it seems like.
2: Yeah. They're enough similar. And if I wasn't going to look, I probably wouldn't actually notice.
1: Yeah. 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 People may not notice those. So anyways, new refresh. And then this last one, the date dependency that, that we'll be talking about <clears throat> later in the show. So that is some of the new functionality. Um there's also let me move this down. There's also, um, oh yeah, so in the built-on-air community, they, they spotted it, Ben spotted it, the Gantt layout in the timeline view. Um, interesting, you can switch between stacked and Gantt layout options. So it's an actual timeline view um, in the interface that has a Gantt layout. so that is interesting yeah new layout options okay so it sounds like i actually didn't look at this so it sounds like it, it's not a new gantt view it's uh it's the timeline view but a gantt layout
2: yeah yeah i haven't tried it i read about it a little bit when they released the information about it but i haven't actually tried it out yeah so I'll be, i'm excited to see it
1: yep um so those are a few things and then there was also um some quiet improvements to the mobile app max says um the ux the charts and so it looks like um new dashboard view is accessible in the ios mobile app so it looks like they're making some improvements to the mobile apps that they that they didn't put on the what's new section so that's good. I think um, Android was behind iOS in, in feature and in functionality. So, so it yeah. looks like Android's starting to catch up.
2: Right. And I, a lot of, all the Android users of the world rejoice.
1: Yes. yes. They're ready
2: for some mobile, some mobile yep. access.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's good to see that. Um, yeah. And, and you can kind of see with the iOS, they've got the new dashboard interface. So. Mm-hmm iOS looks to be ahead still.
2: Yeah, it probably always will be a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Okay, here's an interesting one. Somebody, um, Ayub talks about interface limits. Um, they want to have 100 interfaces. This There's a couple of things I want to highlight in here. Um, one Scott does a good job of of talking about um, alternative ways to to reduce the need for so many interfaces, um, and maybe even like using an external solution um, for for whatnot. <clears throat> um, but then there's another item in here that comes up um, that talks about. Oh yeah. The users. So, so they talk about how, if you share, um, if you share access to an interface, let's see, where is this? Yeah. The full list of invited users to the interface will always show up in the managed sharing section. Mm-hmm. There's no way to hide that from any of the users. So we're yeah. logged into an interface and you click on the share menu. And click on manage access. Even if you are a read-only user, you'll see a list of all the other people with their email address who also have access to that interface. Um, yeah, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a, a major problem. I think people have mentioned this in other threads before too, that this becomes a problem when you're trying to share outside of your organization, you know, with clients or whatever, um, creating that user dash or interface that is has for the user records only would be great to be able to do that. But this is a problem, right? Because they can still see anyone else that you've created uh, or give access to the dashboard. So.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely. So one thing. um... Oh yeah. That's about notifying. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's something to be aware of. Yeah, if you don't want people to see. It's also interesting. Sometimes I do like I've been shared to bases that are like public bases shared with everybody and you can kind of see, oh, who else has access to this base?
2: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do they give a workaround in that thread?
1: Not not to not to hide that No.
2: Yeah, it's more just be aware
1: of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yep, that's something to be aware of. Okay, a couple other things um, in the Airtable community. Something we we've seen and talked a lot about is um, OAuth refresh token grants mm-hmm. fail intermittently. It's a, this one's interesting. Being being a developer, having implemented OAuth here. Um, this is definitely something we faced in the early days. I feel like Airtables has improved um, in 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 how they handle this, and so it was it was a little bit surprising to me that that people are still seeing this because um, we don't see it nearly. We don't see it how as like we were seeing it in the early days of OAuth. Um, but I also know that we had to it's actually very difficult to implement, um, to do this right. And so it's very possible that um, the developer here needs to just be aware. There's lots of edge cases of how you can trigger this to to fail. So if you're an OAuth developer, um, this is tricky. Feel free to reach out in the Built On Air forum. And actually that's what Scott mentions to, to go to, the Slack community, and and there's other developers that that may be able to help. Um, but I will say it is it is not straightforward. There's things that Airtable could do to make it easier for developers that I've asked them to do that that they don't seem interested in doing at this point. But um, so it, it's not an easy thing, but I think it is possible to to work around it. <clears throat> All right, Um, last week we talked about Spreadsheet.com going out of business. And so this was interesting to see somebody asking for help on how to migrate their data out of Spreadsheet.com to Airtable. Um, I don't think Airtable has any kind of built-in import from Spreadsheet.com. I believe another competitor, um, smart suite does, they, they announced that, that, that they can help people migrate over. So my guess is most people from spreadsheet are going to, um, smart suite, but it does look like some people are coming to Airtable. Um, and you would basically, if you are in the spreadsheet.com world and want to move to Airtable, likely the easiest would be to just export all your data, as CSV, and then do an import, yes, um, import. CSV into Airtable. Yeah. But you'll likely lose some functionality. It's a different experience um, having played with spreadsheet.com. It's it's not exactly like Airtable, although there is definitely a lot of overlap. Yeah. All right. Next one. This is kind of our uh, monthly reminder. Um, man, it seems like every week somebody's asking for how to get help from Airtable support. They, um, this one doesn't say what tier they're on, um, but Airtable with their last pricing change made it. So you have to pretty much be on like, I think team to get support, um, might even be enterprise to, to where they actually say you'll, you'll get support. Um,
2: yeah, the lowest two tiers don't. And so my guess is this person just doesn't realize that their, their tier doesn't actually come with. Support. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does say like they did get an automated reply saying that they'd get a response. So so that reply, I don't know if that goes to everybody or or just to people who actually can access support. Um, I don't know. I haven't accessed support in a while.
2: Yeah, I haven't had to either lately. But
1: yeah, but this is common. This is definitely something um, people are not happy with. So there are forums, there are locations. Um, this person didn't get any response. I have seen, we we shot showed somebody a week or two ago that actually got a response um, from an Airtable employee mm-hmm. in, in their thread um, saying that they would get a response. So we'll see if Andy here gets, gets some help here.
2: Yeah, I do think Airtable employees must sometimes at least look through some of the forum threads because they do periodically chime in here and there.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, a few more back to, oh, we already did that one. Okay, now we're going to X or Twitter. These are just kind of fun. Um, Airtable should rebrand itself as, I think this says AI Airtable to instantly get 10X its valuation in this market. Um, I'm referring to anything with with AI in it. The stock market's going crazy for right now. Um, although there already is, I believe there's a AI table, um, already okay. out in the market. I've seen an AI table product.
2: Oh, really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: What is it? That kind of looks like, uh, it's kind of more of a backend database okay. API, it's more developer centric. Got it. Um, but yeah, so that name I believe is already taken, <laughs> but maybe Airtable can buy them. All right. Here's a interesting one. So talking about competitors, somebody, somebody uh, posted this on X, um, Atlassian Mm. basically launched an Airtable product. I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Uh, let's pull it up here. Um, so Atlassian, if you, if you've used any Atlassian product, very big in, in developer world, um, they, they have a lot of developer centric products. Um, so if you look at it here's kind of some screenshots uh looks very similar to a database in airtable um, it has views layouts filters sort, hide fields um, and then it has field types and everything and so you can create a page or a whiteboard or a database or a blog so they have more than just database functionality so it's just interesting. All these products are kind of incorporating what what Airtable is built um, into their product
2: Yeah, know. yeah. Well, and Page Piece reminds me kind of Coda Docs. You know, yeah. it's like they're kind of trying to bring these things together. Yeah, into one. Yeah.
1: yeah, it'll be interesting what kind of adoption this gets. I could see, you know, for for basic database, like just kind of your your general list um, type stuff. You know, it might make sense. To do it in in Atlassian if you're already in that world um, so it'd be interesting because I know one big um, integration like like they have a direct integration with Atlassian so clearly there's a lot of customers that use both airtable and and yeah. atlassian products it'll be interesting if this eats into that use case
2: yeah yeah it might
1: yeah. So it kind of has a feel of, so you can do a slash. So kind of like a notion yeah. where you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting.
2: It feels like they pulled a lot of ideas from, you know, what's already out there. And maybe they have an idea of what they think works best. And is trying to mm-hmm. pull all together into one.
1: Yeah. 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 So I can see the use case of like internal documentation, especially like developer docs and, yeah. and things like that. Um, you know, most people that use Atlassian are are in the developer world. Although I think I, I've heard of marketing departments using it, um, product departments. So yeah, that this will be interesting to see how this plays out.
2: Yeah, feels like probably the, the people that already have a bent towards the developer side and are in it more, be more like that's where the adoption will come earliest.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you're, if you're in this world of confluence Atlassian um, let us know if you're going to use, if you're going to use their new database feature instead of Airtable. All right, let's do one more. Um, This one's from Reddit. So this is uh, a question about replacing a dumb source of data with a sync source. So I thought this would be an interesting discussion. So this person already has sort of like by dumb source, I think it just means like a just data entry, so a normal table that they're entering, but they want to replace it with a sync source coming from an external um, external data source. And so you can do that. So they so they they know they can create like a new synced table that's coming from that source, but they're already using it. Um, so they're kind of asking like best practices of how you would convert from a static source to a, a live sync source. And they didn't get any comments. I don't know any thoughts. My, my thought would be, I mean, you really, you know, you kind of just would, I, I would create both. And then you kind of would just have to update your links to, to point to the new one if you have any linked records
2: yeah yeah i think i think that's where we, where you have to start so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i'd st- i would still say move over get the sync data as opposed to keeping it you know dumb or static
1: yeah but you can't unfortunately you can't switch an existing table to be a sync right. table it has to be a new table that gets created right so, yeah i don't i don't think there's any way to automatically convert a table over
2: but also i think sometimes that's good in terms of i always think about like what happens if something doesn't go right (laughs) so you know you can always bring in the sync data and a new table and try to make the changes if things go awry you still have that table of all your old um static data right from that you could move back to if you need to
1: yeah that's yeah
2: it's in some ways comforting (laughs)
1: yeah yeah. right yeah even if you could it probably wouldn't be the wise thing because yeah it could Mess up your data. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, that concludes uh, what's new in Airtable and all the communities, and keep you up to date on everything. Let's jump to our sponsor, Onto Air. If you are running your business on Airtable, you definitely need to follow best practice, which is to have a secondary source of your data. Airtable Onto Air backups is the solution for that. It gets your data into Box, Dropbox, or Google Drive. So that you know you've got your data, your schema, and all your attachments stored outside of Airtable. So check it out at ontoair.com. All right, Leslie, get a chance to learn about you and which what uh what's why don't you give us kind of give us your story? How what what what's your background? How do you come into this world?
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks. So I I came into the Airtable world a few years ago. I actually my professional uh, life started in the software world. So I was in a product management group of a, a banking software company. And then I eventually worked in uh, sales operations for a company that was and then led into their acquisition by Salesforce. So I have worked in traditional software um, in early in my career. When I had kids, I decided to take some years um, off because that that those roles were really time consuming. And it didn't allow me to like do the parenting that I wanted to. So I did a few random things, like I, I had a, um, a or locally grown organic baby food company for a short time, and also I was treasurer of a preschool. Um, and then eventually, I helped my husband launch his software business. So I, I used some of those skills again. And so I think, like a lot of the people that come on here, they, we have you know different backgrounds. I know Camille has done, I think she's a landscape architect too, and Ali is a fine artist. So sometimes those different experiences throughout life can really enrich the work that we eventually get to do here in Airtable and working with other businesses. So that's where I started. That's my background. And then a couple of years ago, a friend who I had worked with previously, um, had connections to a dude ranch in Colorado and they needed a new guest management reservation system. And so, uh, we launched Lasso Book with the goal of really providing great technology for great folks, who and to serve a market that, because of its, you know, pretty small size, I think there's somewhere between like 100 and 150 dude ranches in the United States and Canada, and so it's a really small size that isn't served by traditionally, um, like, venture-backed software companies because it's just a small market. So Airtable made it feasible to create an economic like a a economically feasible option for them um, to create an app that really then meets their needs because they provide a super, super customized experience for their guests. So um, that's how I got into it. So we founded LassaBook book and it really um, started the first ranch started on that in early 2022. So it's just a couple years old. And then we've, um, shared it. We go to something called the Dude Ranch Associations convention every year, and we get to share it with other ranches there. So that's a super fun um, client base. They're great people. Um, Having done that, then I started doing some of my own independent consulting for Airtable, and I talked to a friend who runs uh, several Airbnbs in the Louisville area. And so when I was talking to her, she was talking about there's a movement in um, the Airbnb host space, Away from Airbnb and maybe to direct booking. So that way you can recoup some of those fees that Airbnb is charging. Um, and for hosts that have a lot of guests, you know, that amounts to thousands of dollars over the course of a year. And so if people are interested in putting that in their pocket, there are, you know, ways to do that. So I thought I would look at how could I do something like that with Airbnb, uh, with Airtable. And so, um, the use case I'll talk about is really mostly geared towards someone who has um, uh, uh, properties who have high occupancy, but also mainly from repeat customers or repeat guests. So they they don't necessarily need tons of marketing that you know Airbnb, VRBO, something like that would provide them. Not that you couldn't still have your property listed on there. So um, yeah, that's that's where that's how I got to this point today.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm curious. Like you, you came from kind of the software world. Like, how has how has Airtable like changed your perspective of like what you're capable of? And I assume you didn't have a, a software development background or anything. And so, just talk about how it's changed your perspective of of how business can be done.
2: Yeah, I think it, it, it it's really exciting because, um, in the Airtable consulting, I do I work with a lot of high growth companies. And one of the really cool things is that I get to share with them how Airtable can evolve with them. So as they grow, the product can grow with them and evolve. And so when they need to make process changes, we can do that. And so that's where you know, traditional software, it definitely has a place. And I so I'm not anti software anti anti traditional software um, at all but I think sometimes it can be a little rigid, especially for companies who experience a lot of growth and change within their organization. So that's, I think one of the advantages of Airtable. um, That.
1: Cool. Have you gotten, has your husband incorporated it into his business?
2: So actually, I, I, um, he, his business, we, he is launching kind of a new beta for something new, and I actually created the um, prototype with Airtable and you know, softer, a few other integrations, and so the first um, beta customer is using that, and so he decided as opposed to going ahead and, you know. Putting the capital into developing that new product right off the bat. Let's mm-hmm. try it as a prototype this way, and then once he gains traction with a few clients, we can prove the concept before going ahead and doing that. You know, large capital investment into the the development of the new product.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a great way to to prototype and get it out there.
2: Yeah, well, it's so it's fast and economically, it's just so much uh, cheaper. And it allows you to make those tweaks and uh, refine it before that, that uh, big development project gets underway.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm curious on the, on the, um, in the dude ranch world, like that, that sounds like a fun conference to go to the dude ranch conference. What's been the reaction to the software? Are you guys like the new kids on the block with like the cool, fancy technology and what's been the response there?
2: That's a great question. So, the uh, dude ranch industry, I would say, is a little bit leery of uh, technology. Uh, there are like several ranches that still use paper and pencil to keep their calendars, um, which isn't a bad thing. I think um, they are also, you know, and leery of anyone new. So, this was just our second year at that conference. And so, they want to see you there a few years before mm-hmm. they really, really trust you. Uh, there is one other kind of player in the market. And They um, pulled together several kind of smaller companies that um, have, you know, eventually they started, but then eventually gone out of business or haven't been maintained. And so they're really migrating everyone. And and to my knowledge and what I've heard is it's not going great. So um, it's a perfect time for us to be here. And uh, I think in terms of the response. People like it. I think we've also gotten into, you know, they they present us with new problems like herd management, which wasn't something I thought of. But, you know, when you have a hundred horses, you have to keep, there's a lot to keep track of in terms of vaccination schedules, shoeing schedules and that sort of thing. And so actually we've been able to talk with some of them and talk about adding on to LassaBook book features like that, which again, the rapid development that you can add apps like that is um, a huge bonus yeah of working nice. in your table
1: that's cool and I love the name lasso book that's great
2: yeah you know a friend of ours um of both the the other people I work with in lasso book and we share a mutual friend who was just this marketing guru and he was the one that named it he named both lasso book and guest book so nice
1: nice maybe Very he's
2: been reading a lot books are on his mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep <Yeah. laughs> awesome cool well let's um let's dive into what you've got and we will see your, uh, base. And so this is the guest book one that's on the, on the Airbnb side that you're going to share.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, I'll kind of walk us through the use case. I shared this. This is, um, just a test or pretend website that someone could put together. I use Canva to put it together. I'm a huge fan of Canva. I'm not naturally an artistic person. So, uh, Canva is a super big help with that. So when I, um, So I just do this together using Canva. This is my idea of if I was hosting Airbnb, like multiple Airbnb properties, the way I could use um, Airtable. So I put together a website. You know, it's pretty easy. I show these are my hypothetical accommodations. Wish I owned something like this, but in reality, do not, right? Mm -hmm. But as I scroll down, you can see here, I've added um, a, a view of my calendar. I made a public view that only just shows the book dates. And so if I look here, I can scroll through dates where I might want to book something. And then I utilize, you know, a request a reservation button that would allow me to request something. So let's we'll just kind of walk through this and pretend that we're going to do that. So this um, opens the Airtable form for I'm calling my company uh, Beach Street Cottage and Carriage House. And so, um, you know, a little note. And so I'm going to just pretend to be someone named Maxine Thompson. And I have, I'm going to say I have stayed with us before. I'm going to put in a phone number and then have an email address I'm going to put in there. And so I'm going to request to stay. I think I saw on that calendar that March 2nd, to March 9th was open in the cottage and we'll say that I'm gonna come with five friends and so I'm gonna rest request the cottage um, and I won't request anywhere else but that's where if you wanted to request multiple um, properties uh, you could do that and so we'll just say I'm having a girls trip and so I would verify that I'm old enough to rent and then I can submit and so you know just like an Airtable form um, that'll go in, and so this is my dashboard. So this is where I have all my scheduling. I keep track of what's going on, and so this is the main kind of, uh, yeah, dashboard or scheduling um, place I work from. So each of these represents a one of my the properties, and so if if you have someone else working with you, sometimes this can be helpful just to help them remember if they're talking to someone or responding to an email, the details about each property. Oops. And then this is my calendar, so I can see the bookings for each property. Um, Red shows me I have a reservation that um, they're within a week of their arrival, but they haven't made their final payment. And then um, this kind of teal color is a reservation that is two weeks out, and so I've sent them their email to request a final payment and this is my new reservation. So it's yellow and it's just alerting me that, hey, this is a new requested reservation. And if I scroll down, I can I have different um, grids here. So this is my new request that I need to review. So there's the one I just added. Then I have a list of reservations that I've offered to people. So I've accepted them and offered them, but they have not either um, paid their deposit and or submitted their lease agreement. Um, and so it, there's also some conditional coloring that would come in if this was, you know, a few days old. And then down here, I can see the arrivals that I have coming in the next week. And again, that one reservation is highlighted in red because she's within a week, week of her arrival, but has not, um, paid her final payment. And then the, just, a, a um, a list of the departures that I have in this week. So if I, um, open up this request, I can review, I can see that um, she said that she stayed before, but I also confirm that she's an existing customer using her email address. Um, If I have any notes or thoughts, I can add them here, Um, but then I would generally at this point decide, do I wanna approve the request or decline the request? And either way, I can include a note back to her, but this time I'll say, I'll accept it. And I'll say, we're excited to have her back. Um, and then I'll approve that, and so got a double screen there and go on. But um, yeah. So you can see it fell out of the new request and then came over here into my re- um, reservations offered, but not yet accepted. So when I look at this, something that you'll notice is, and I'll I'll show you this. I there is a payment record on here now. So when I, I the system is built so that when I accept the reservation, it automatically um updates this to reservation offered, and then creates a payment record on here. But this is just a requested payment. It has not actually succeeded or gone through yet. And so you can see here still the total payments is $0. And so um, what's happening here behind the scenes is I, um, I have this automation that when the status is uh, of the reservation it starts as a new request, but then I accept the um, ex- the request. It updates the reservation to being reservation offered, notes the date, creates the booking deposit payment, and then sends the person an email with um, a link to pay their deposit and also a link to their um, lease agreement. So you can see here's my inbox. Here's the email that just came. And it says, hey, pack your bags because our rental request has been accepted. And so it gives, you know, all the details of the reservation, but also a link to pay the deposit and to sign the rental agreement. And with both of these, I'm using fill out. I'm a huge fill out fan. Yep. And so this is actually a process mm-hmm. that can replace, um, oops, it's filling, there it goes. So yeah, feel, create replace the process of actually um, generating invoices in Stripe. So in Lassa book, the way we built it, and we worked with the fantastic Jen Red when we first built Lassa Book. She was the consultant we hired. She's fabulous. Um, but she and she, I think, also at Dare Table last year, did a session on uh, building an integration with Stripe, doing invoicing with Stripe, that sort of thing. And so you can definitely do that. Uh, Lassa book utilizes that, and we, use, uh, we create an invoice in, in Stripe and then bring that uh, Stripe invoice URL back, and then that allows them to send that to their guests to pay their, their, make their payments. This is essentially achieving the same thing without any you know, scripting or Zapier or Make. And it's utilizing Fillout as the tool for creating the invoice. And so the way I do this is by, this is my form. And so I, I use an, the update record integration here. So in my Airtable integration, this is an update record. Um, integration, which is why I create that deposit payment before actually sending this. So then in my, in that table, in my deposits, or excuse me, in my payments table, if I go, this is my, this is like what I call under the hood. You can see my um, tables here. On the payment record, there's this payment link, and this is just that um, fill out, oops, um, you know, that link right here. So it's utilizing the record ID and updating it so it can pull all those details from the existing payment record. And so that is how that's working. Um, and so it, it, it's a great alternative for someone who uh, doesn't want to have to maintain scripting, doesn't want to have to use Zapier or Make, and kind of achieves the same thing. Now, what happens if I would pay this, it would actually come back and bring me back in here the um, Stripe payment ID. So you do have to have a Stripe account, of course, to do this. You could use, if you wanted to get it for more information, you know, or go back um, and look at the payments that you've received, you can go into your Stripe dashboard and find the payments using the Stripe payment ID. Also brings back the name on the card, the email for the receipt, and then the status. And, um, and so that comes back as succeeded. So this, the way I do it is I have the payment amount. So the amount I've requested for the deposit, it stays as requested until the payment succeeds and it bring comes back in as succeeded. At that point, the approved amount is then equal to that same, you know, it'd be $560. And then that then reduces the amount of the reservation, the amount due on the reservation. So, um, but that's how that works. So it's a nice little trick to be able to um, create invoices, and there could be so many uses for this. Even you know, in consulting, sending invoices. If I wanted to just keep most of that happening, for, within Airtable, this would be a way to do that, um, utilizing Fill out, um, and then you could actually push to, you know to QuickBooks or something like that after the fact if you for accounting purposes. Um, but yeah, so that's once I would accept both uh, the. So here's my payment invoice. And then you can see, I also created my rental agreement here, fill out. And I, I think I have a little, I did it quickly. I have a little formatting still I need to finish, but so something like this would be easy. And then they have, you know, fill out has uh, e-signatures available. I'm on a free plan for this test account. So I just put lines in here to make it look like that. But in real life, we would um, connect it using e-signatures and allow people to submit that uh, their reservation lease agreement that way. And so then once that's done, you get something like this, that you're confirmed. So basically it would say, hey, we've received both your deposit and signed rental agreement and you are confirmed. We can't wait to see you. Um, Also, just if you have it set up in your Stripe dashboard uh, as to to send receipts uh, when payments are made, they, they would also receive a receipt from Stripe when okay. that payment is made also. So they would, in theory, get both a striper seat and then when they've confirmed with you both the um, payment and rental agreement, they would get this from you, which is cool. So this is where uh, Airtable is super handy because all of this is automated, right? Mm-hmm. So for the host, all of this happens without them touching it until, so once they've confirmed, um, we can go back to the dashboard, you can see, you know, it would really, it would change status and, and then it would change color So um, and so you can right now, it's a little, I guess we'll call it peach. This is now my reservation is reservation offered, and then they can accept it. Um, And so this stays hands off until either um, someone doesn't pay. So kind of like this person, I probably need to go hunt them down, give them a phone call, something like that to ask where their payment is, Um, or, you know, the point of arrival. And so the, right now the system is set up so that um two weeks before arrival it'll send them an email requesting their final payment and once they do that then it sends them on their date of arrival a, a an email with like their arrival instructions it also includes their door code and i have it set up so that their last four digits of their phone number will become their door code and nice. so then yeah so which is super handy um but then and one of the beautiful things is there are ways to connect Airtable with even like remote key uh, systems. So I think like next key is one that I saw that has both, like it has an integration with Zapier where you could trigger that um, on the arrival date, you could remotely set the key to that last four digits of their phone number and then automatically also send them a um, date of arrival. So I think I have that here. Yeah, so this is what that email would look like is Today is the day. Here's your door code, and then um, also I send them uh, a little form asking, "Hey, would you just let me know when you're in the property and also look around and make sure it looks okay?" So this is uh, giving me a chance to actually inter- like make sure that they are in, but also that things look okay. And I think this is a proactive step that avoids the you know, "Hey, we got there and actually things that look." The way we wanted them to, but maybe they don't communicate that with you until after the fact. This really keeps that um, nips that in the bud. You're able to kind of get on top of any problems right from the beginning. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so then, you know, you get, you notice whether they're um, checked in or not. Um, And then, really, you know, the process flows again, mostly, hopefully, right, without any problems. You can manage it on your dashboard, you see them leave. So then really the other pieces that need to come together are just turnovers from an operational standpoint. So this is like my turnover dashboard, the number I have in the next week, the number that are unassigned. So this is where I would come in. I could choose a contractor that I want to assign it to. Um, This would then it moves it to assign and sends that contact an email saying, hey, you're assigned for this, this. Um, cleaning. You know, there's a lot of ways you could do this. I was thinking about this and thinking, oh, this would be a great use case too for, I think Scott, when we shared simple texting um, and that, you know, you could connect this with that and you could either use simple texting to send your guests text or your um, cleaners. I think that would be a really good use case. Um, so a lot of different things. And then also there's this um, metrics dashboard that really get, it shows you, okay, How much, what's my utilization? How many nights are each of my units rented in the last 30 days? What about the next 30 days? And then gives you kind of an idea of um, your payments collected and also turnover costs that um, are going to be accrued as you go. So yeah, that's Guest Book.
1: That's amazing. Is this, is um, like is this pretty much people are doing this manually? All the, all the things that you just showed here or,
2: you know, that's a really great question. I think it varies from person to person. There's a lot of different, just variability because some people they'll utilize Airbnb for their listings and for their bookings, but then all of the other backside, they'll be doing either just text email with their cleaners. And then some of the, um, I know Airbnb has some analytics, but they'll be doing, you know, a lot of that just in Google spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it it really differs. I think for people that wanting to move to direct booking, there are are some, there's a tool called like Logify. And I, I actually, I think you could connect to that if you wanted to. So that actually aggregates the different calendars that you have on the various channels, like Airbnb, VRBO, Google rentals, those kinds of things. It keeps allows you to keep one calendar, but then you could actually integrate with that as well. So yeah. it, it, some people are still trying to keep those open, um, but then manage more on the backside. I think the use case where I see this is again, probably more for people that have repeat guests and they, they want to be able to say, you know what, next time, just just book directly with me yeah. instead of booking with on Airbnb and I can give you a better price and we'll both win because... I won't lose all the fees.
1: Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Cool. So you are, um, packaging this up and selling to potential other, if someone
2: would, yes, I would love to sell it as a template. If someone would love it, it's, I'm mostly, you know, still baiting it with a friend. And, and so, um, really I think one of the things again that is a little it's a great thing but it's also a challenge I find is when productizing something in airtable there's still so much customization that's possible mm-hmm. And so how do you present it as a product of sorts but yet so much can change you know the, and so mm-hmm. I think because even on here I was thinking about the the metrics well because I had a friend who she said that, they Would actually also really love to look about think about projected expenses because they know in all their rentals they have to uh, change over and get a new fridge every seven years, and so start projecting that sort of thing like expenses. So I think that's been a challenge actually is kind of how to what to call the product, um, but then also with while communicating still the flexibility of what could change, you know,
0: yeah, so,
2: um, but yeah. yeah. I-
1: I'd love yeah, to I agree. If um, yeah, fair table, I've, I've seen some things. I don't, I don't think it's the intended use case, but they are coming out with these like managed mini applications that might be able to help in this regard. Um, mm. We showed a little bit of that. It's more for like internal within a corporate, mm. like the IT department managing, you know, the, these mini applications that are, that are inserted into multiple bases. Um, but there may be some overlap in use case for this scenario.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: That could be interesting. Yeah. yeah, That's definitely one of the biggest challenges I've seen is like, I I have seen, I have, there are success stories out there of people, you know, replicating a base and having multiple locations or, you know, multiple clients Mm -hmm. uh, and they, and I think in the scenario where I've seen it work is they manage it for them and it's kind of more of a managed solution instead of a, you know, purchase a template and and you run with it. Um,
2: That's, that's actually how we do it with LASA Okay, We have it, we, we manage it for them. It stays in our workspace.
1: Yeah. 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 That way you have, yeah, you can update as needed. It's just more of a manual update across So.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. awesome.
1: This is really cool. You can see a real-world use case of of the power of Airtable. Just Airtable and fill out are really the main things you're using here.
2: Yeah, and you so many things could be tacked on to do it, you know, other ways too and add, you know, add texting or whatever, but um it gives you a, a solution with really just those two things.
1: Yep. Yep. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that guest yeah. book. And they can if people are interested, where can they find you?
2: Yeah, probably LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, just Leslie Burke, or you can email me. Um, you can use Leslie at lassobook.com. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on. If you are not in our community, we, w- we want you to join. There's thousands of Airtable users talking about Airtable in our Slack community. Sign up for our newsletter. Join us on the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or or any of our podcast audio versions. We'd love to have you be a part of the community. So join us all right we're going to talk a little bit about the new date dependency functionality that's available and this is a little bit of a what they call like an unboxing so i'm not an expert in this i've actually only like spent a few minutes looking at this so we're going to kind of discover this together so leslie chime in i'm going to need your help because there's actually i was there was some confusion already on on um on how this works so basically so this is the the template they talked about. They they made some new templates available. This is one of those templates, um, which is actually a pretty nice, nicely designed um, interface. And so if you look at um, this schedule template, you see that now they have the Gantt chart um, inside of interfaces. And so what we're talking about is the the dependency between dates. So the these dates have start and end dates and there's there's some dependencies so we're gonna we're gonna look to see um how this works and so so if you look on here so this has a deadline date and if i change the date um Mm -hmm. that didn't seem to work the way i thought it would so is that just changing
2: is essentially is that the end date
1: yeah, I changed. Yeah, it changed the end date. So maybe. Um, okay, yeah, so it doesn't have the start date on here. So we're going to go to the data layer. We're going to look at this at the data layer. Okay. So what's new is you'll, you'll see this new icon here. This is date dependency enabled. And so if you if you click on this, um, you'll see down here, this is new. So it says this field is used with date dependencies. So the configuration, this is the normal configuration for a date. But on here, if you click this configure, there's a new, there's a new configuration. So you can turn it on or off here. Um, and I wonder why. Um,
2: so you could actually make it dependent on like, a side, like a record in a different table.
1: Yeah, right. And so let's see, so this is, so yeah, so your dependency, so I'm guessing um, if I change this date, then this list here is gonna show, I'm, like, I'm guessing, yeah, It's it has to be linked between the task table and the table selected here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no there's nothing here. You could create a new one or you don't need a predece- predecessor field. Um, but so on tasks, so there is there is this predecessor linked. So it's basically a link to itself. So you have parent tasks with subtasks. Um, and so that's what we're linking to here. And so you specify the start date field, um here as a date um and it looks like it has to be a date field it can't include time so that's interesting it only works with date fields and not date time fields wow yeah that's kind of interesting let me see um yeah i guess there's only two here um, and then you also need a duration field, um, and it has to be set to days. So there's a lot of like specific things that you need to get this to work, yeah. So this only works with dates and days as far as the duration. So, and then there is a couple of advanced options, um, you can omit weekend and holidays, and I believe, um. So you can actually insert days. So I believe these are days that get omitted. Um, so these would be like special blackout days maybe.
2: Oh, oh so you get like, if you're had holidays, you could add yeah. those
1: Yeah. Yeah, or date like reserved days that, that, that you don't want selectable. Um, let's do that and we're gonna save. Okay, so now, so here's our dependency linked record. So this is linking to itself. So right here, so this iterate based um, links to implement a progress tracking system, which is right above it. So that means that that this one is dependent on this one. And so I believe, and so we have our duration here and this is just, so here we have the precision set to days and um, So I believe how this works. So let's just play with these two that are linked. Um, If I change the start date and I'm going to change it. So right now, this, this duration is set to five. Actually, let's start here. Let's change this to six. And you see there, it changed this date and this date.
2: Yeah. And it also changed, I think the start date for the design interactive one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay so it um so this is the 25th so just by changing the duration so now these are six days um it so it automatically changed the the end date to be this duration and then it modified this guy to be the start date looks like one day after
2: Mm -hmm. actually i was just thinking about that i wonder if there's a way to set it so that if, or if there's not now, but if there will come a point where you could set that the dependent record either starts the same day, or it starts the next day, or even at some point, if you could set the number of days that it would start later. If that you know what I mean? Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. You could have a field that says like like in between. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like it's always the the next day. Yeah. Um, if we change this to three oh no it didn't change it. did i get the right one? Oh, i i think i got the wrong one no <sighs> mm. let's see here what are we doing wrong
2: <laughs> well, okay
1: so this one is dependent on this one so it should update Mm-hmm. Yeah, because these are now not, these are now two yeah. days.
2: I wonder if there's some kind of it only will scoot it back, but once you
1: Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So this if you set it greater, it'll push it back, but it doesn't bring it forward. Yeah. So the start date that so the thing is is do you know the original start date that was set for this? Apparently it saves it in memory because if I go back it doesn't it doesn't update it.
2: No, I think it just stays at like the last widest it's or you know yeah. the farthest back it's been pushed. So I guess but probably I would do you think it keeps it in the um revision history? Would you be able to find it there? Let's see. Yeah, so you can see each of those. Yeah.
1: Good luck. Interesting. So it only pushed back. It doesn't bring it forward. So it's a dependency for extending dates, but not adjusting them forward. Mm -hmm. That's interesting.
2: Right. Well, that's good to know, because if you are a person that's projecting, you know, how long a project will will take, you want to always guess the lowest amount. Right. And then Mm -hmm. you can always push it back, which would update your dependencies. Yeah, because If you go the other way and assume, oh, it's going to take five days, but it just takes three, you're going to have a big manual job of updating everything else.
1: Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So that, that could be good in some scenarios, but yeah, sometimes if you're like, if one, if one takes less time, you want everything to move up. Yeah. And, um, so if, if I move this up, let's see if I move this to be before the end date. So if I moved this up. Mm. Oh, there it adjusted this one. So it does push back. So it does push the previous task to the day before and everything adjusts.
2: Did it adjust? I didn't see it. Did it adjust the duration? Did it make it longer? Or did it scoot the end date forward too? Did it it keep the duration?
1: It did, did not it? change this end date. No. Okay, so
2: it increased the duration.
1: No, it didn't. It stayed three. Oh, there it, it did change.
2: Okay, so there. instead of increasing the duration, it actually moves the whole.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
2: What happens if you change the second the end date? It doesn't change the duration. It or it does change the duration, right? Yeah. The duration. So change changes the start date. Keeps the duration. If you change the end date, it changes the duration. That's interesting behavior.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. And yeah, and it does not move the start date. It just changes. It just pushes out the duration. Yeah. So there's a lot of variables going on that might get confusing.
2: (laughs) Right. There's a lot to keep straight of what you know the behavior. If and I think that's really important to know ahead of time when you're setting this up because it really would play into you know, how long you set the standard, you know, projects or each of these steps.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So my thinking is, is if you don't specify, um, if you don't specify a, a predecessor, so it's optional, it will still do the duration change. Maybe if you're changing the dates, but not pushing the dependencies. So there's kind of two parts to it. So you could modify automatically the duration time and Mm -hmm. the start and end or whatever by by playing with the duration or the end date yeah but it won't push the the previous um, dependencies so that's interesting i wonder what would happen maybe for another time is if you had dependencies if you created a a cyclical loop that you had dependencies that were like went in a circle yeah (laughs) And well, okay. how the dates would work there, <clears throat> I don't know. We'd have to try that. <clears throat> yeah, we'll save that for uh, for another segment. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> well, I wonder if there'd be a, if, or maybe they'll develop it at some point where you'd get a warning of almost like Excel doesn't Excel give you like you have a circular reference.
1: Yeah, thing? yeah, and you do get that in some scenarios. I can't remember, um, but that that does happen in Airtable. It will tell you. Um, that you yeah that you have a cyclical dependency yeah um but yeah anyway so some interesting stuff there let us know if you're using it how you're using it the good the bad the ugly of of date dependencies um i feel like there's there's like most features there's some good parts and some bad parts to it yeah (laughs) awesome that concludes the show leslie thanks for coming on you've been my good host with me and uh excited to see where where things go with your products and and what you've got going in the future we'll have to have you on in the future and get an update
2: i love that yeah thanks for having me
1: all right take care we'll see everybody next week
2: bye
0: Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, Onto Air Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.